Red Kite Prayer is hosting its first ever event October 12th through 14th, 2018, the Red Kite Rendezvous. The two and a half day event will feature bikes from some of the industry's top frame builders, two gravel rides, some of the world's finest craft beers, which are brewed locally, plus enough food to make the pedaling fun. For more information or to register, go to redkiteprayer.com backslash store. The Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick of Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. So, Celine, how was Rebecca's private Idaho stage race last weekend? It was it was really cool, Patrick. It was, um, yeah. yeah, you know what, it was... I, I'm not sure exactly what I expected, but it was it was different from what I ex- when I expected in, in in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I think it's I think she's doing a really good job of balancing because right, it's 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 a lot to get out to Sun Valley, Idaho, right? And and it's a week, Labor Day weekend. <laughs> yes. People bring their friends, they bring their family, so you're kind of in vacation mode. But you're racing, mm-hmm. right? And the people there are serious racers. I mean, there's the, it, it attracts quite a um, a serious racing crowd. So, mm-hmm. so she did. Uh, in my opinion, she did a really nice job of um, giving you like the competition and and the, that stuff that you wanted, while also giving you the time and opportunity to enjoy yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, cool. which is which is a hard which is a hard thing to to do. So, case in point, like, yeah, the first day was the longest day of the stage, but barring the big event, you know. So we had it was forty three miles. It was up at Galena Lodge, so it was like a little carpool out of town. And um, the first thing she did was sent us on sixteen miles of single track onto a mountain bike course. <laughs> okay, um, all right, which was amazing because like. Like all the mountain bikers and people are like, Ooh, and then the people that weren't so familiar with single track were like, I don't know what to do here. But it just sort of set this like really interesting tone of, you know, this is going to be different. This is going to be, you know, be prepared for whatever and have some fun, get outside of your comfort zone. Uh, it was I thought it was awesome. And the second half was less awesome because it was just it was a lot of uh just deep gravel roads, you know, so it ended up being a little mm-hmm. sloggy here and there, but it was, it was a cool, it was a cool day. And then the second day we raced 4.4 miles. Okay. 4.4. That was it. But w- within it, we rode socially 22 miles to the uh, base of Dollar Hyde climb and then went uh-huh. off TT style, you know, every 30 seconds okay. up to the summit. That was the only time segment. And then 22 miles, whatever we wanted to do, ripping back into town. So you had to do all 50 miles, but like the only part that was timed was that 4.4, which I thought was super interesting too. It just led uh-huh, to this really uh-huh. social fun day. And then we had a yep. day that was optional 
that um, we could go out and just do a fun ride before the Wagon Days Parade and then the big event. So it was like it was it was it was really an interesting format, you know, and it's it, it, it lent itself well to a satisfying vacation. Because it, okay. you weren't totally That's like in, to you know, in compete, eat, repeat like that. You weren't all in that that frame of mind all the time or worried about always having your yeah. feet up. Um, yeah. So it was it was cool. And it was really. Have you done the event? No, it was no. super. I, I keep trying, but super it just fast never works this out. year. Um, the first year I did it, it was, it felt like ninety miles of nothing but washboards. I mean, it was like it was mm-hmm. it was brutally difficult that way. You know, it's, there's not actually a lot of elevation in the course, but it was like I was just ready to pilot my bike off of anything to make the washboard stop. Um, this year, they they <laughs> graded the roads, so the the men's winner, I think he averaged twenty miles per hour. Ooh. Yeah. No, I mean, it was nuts. I, I'm sure he did because Casey averaged 19. Like, it was bananas. It's as close to a, a, a road race as anything I've seen off of the tarmac. It was so fast. It was, it was just like, but Ooh. yeah, it was a, it was cool. It's a, it's a, it's a very cool event and there's a lot to it. You know, there's the, there's the festivals and the parties and the drinking games. You know, there's like, so I, yeah, I think it's, if people are looking for like, an active vacation it, it's it's mm-hmm. an interesting it's an interesting way to do it i took my family everybody had a great time the weather cooperated which was helps you know i mean you start and it's 38 <laughs> yeah. degrees and you're like oh my god is, oh. is it august i know right but the, it but it heats up pretty quickly and you know you just you just suck it up for that first half hour and just get moving but yeah i, I, I that's how mm. I, like if somebody was looking for a fun active vacation i would totally say like it's a great way to do it I'd love to try to make it for that next year. Uh, it just, it sounds just that much more interesting now. I mean, you know, I, I used to do the Killington stage race uh, in Vermont when that would happen. And after doing it, after moving to California and flying back east to do it, you know, it's like, yay, I'm in Vermont. Right, right. You know, I've got all this time at Killington, which is a place that I became familiar with as a child. But you know, if I wasn't out on the course racing or in front of the bus getting a massage after the race, then I was in my condo right. with my legs up right. and eating, you know, some protein train. I know exactly what you mean. Uh, and I never felt so, that way here. And I and I, you saw the top pros around town, too. Like, you didn't have that sense that people were in seclusion, you know, like, uh-huh. be afraid to be out and about and having a beer or whatever. It, it doesn't have that vibe about it. But it is quite competitive at the same time. So a bunch of introverts were actually being social. <laughs> yes. Yes. So actually <laughs> being social and not super. And a bunch of, you know, there are quite a few. They seem like like road racing centric people are not. Um, you know, people are pretty heads down during the race and, and, and serious. But it, mm-hmm. it's the vibe is still it's just like a very interesting, interesting vibe. Um, and I think it is because it is such a vacation sort of destination and people are it's the end of summer and it's just got that whole the town is just all ablaze with all this stuff going on with the Labor Day parades. And so, yeah, it was it was cool. I would I would recommend it. And I man, the riding on the single track. I'm a big fan of that riding on single track on my on my gravel bike. I just think it's so fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. If it's not so gnarly that it becomes, you know, physically difficult, it wasn't, I, I love it, it as well. It wasn't at all. It was, um, I mean, it was a little sketchy here and there because it's the West and that's just the way it is. But um, <laughs> yeah. and that, that is just me. I don't know how, like, I can tell you seven ways that mud will react. You know what I mean? Like, I know mud very, very well. I get out there on that gravel and I'm just not sure. Like, it's pea gravel over hard pack or dusty stuff over hard pack or silty stuff <laughs> it's just like surfaces that i just i'm not as I'm not as at home on so it always takes me a little bit to be like i don't know what's going to happen in this corner i hope it's not terrible you and i maybe should do a segment on comparing notes that way because i'm not accustomed to mud anymore yeah yeah and it's funny like people who come here and they don't know they just don't know they're like i'm sliding i'm a guess it's mud you'll hook up you'll be fine but it's if you're not <laughs> you know if you're not used to it you, you don't it's like tinder <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway. Moving right along. <laughs> you know, before we really get going, even though this has already been a, a digression, <laughs> I want to mention that I caught a couple of episodes of your recent interview subject, author and chef Hannah Grant, in mm. her Amazon Prime reality series, which is, of course, based around her book, Eat, Race, Win. Celine, I'm totally anti-reality television. So maybe it was the fact that it was about cycling or about food or about food and cycling <laughs> and Europe. But I loved the show, loved it. And she is a delight. Oh, my gosh. Her leadership of her crew. I don't know. I've got this fascination with really good leadership. Yeah. And watching that was just lovely. And that's not something that really came through in the interview. It's just you and her. But seeing the show, she's just a terrific person. She's really vivacious. She is and really vivacious. I, I, you know, holy cow. So uh, for our listeners, you know, if you've got an Amazon Prime account, watch this. Oh, my gosh. It's really worth it. It's funny how... Um because she is, she's very cool. She's a cool person. Um, there's just that sort of indescribable qualities that make someone cool. I, I don't even know how to, what that is about her, but, but, but commanding at the same time, right? Like, like, mm -hmm. and it's just that it's interesting. I, I agree with you. Like, there's something about, um, just the way she, uh, operates and, and holds herself that makes her very, She's a great leader and, and her people respect yeah. her and, and she it's cool. It's cool to watch her in action. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. OK, moving right along. What you got? Sweet. Um, let's talk cyclocross because, you know, hashtag cross is coming. Um, actually, <laughs> cyclocross is already here in, in my okay, neck. Hashtag the cross is here. It's, it's there as well. Has, has cyclocross arrived? Where, where you live? Uh, no, oh. I'm just I'm just adjusting your previous hashtag. Oh, oh, yes, it, it crosses here. And last weekend officially kicked off uh, the season here in the Mid-Atlantic with Grenoble Cyclocross, which is held on the DuPont Estate in Wilmington, Delaware. It's an awesome event with a deep history. Katie Compton, Laura Van Gilder, Georgia Gold, Ryan Trebon. Barry Wicks. I mean, just a few of the big sort of luminaries who have graced the podiums at, at this event. Yeah. Stunning venue, lush rolling hills. The DuPont family, it's pretty rad, comes out and watches. They're, they're usually in some crazy antique car, you know, in the middle of the course. And you're like, oh, <laughs> it's the DuPonts. Your sucker suits. <laughs> so it's nice. Yeah. I mean, I love everything about it, except for one thing. And that is that it's inching ever so closely 
further into summer. It was ninety degrees out there when they had it. Ninety.、Oh Uh, it, with you know, I mean, we're in Delaware. We're in the Mid Atlantic with that level of humidity as well. And、uh-huh, honestly,、uh-huh. Patrick, it's insane. It's insane. We we used to start cross. We used to start in October. Let's not even go there. But then it started inching into September, and people are like, "Oh, that's kind of early." Now sometimes、yep. it's August. Sometimes it's the, because it's Labor Day weekend. Sometimes we're looking at August, and it's hot here. This is the hottest part、mm-hmm. of summer for us.、Uh, You know, and I looked at the calendar for the Mid Atlantic Cross Series, which is one of our larger ones. There are five races in September, three in October, one in November, zero in December. What? Yep. Well, no. Somebody、sense. lost the plot line. No sense. No sense. Because I'm sure you know the history of cyclocross, correct? But for those, but、yeah. for those who don't,、yeah. you know, let's let's entertain it. It was developed in Europe in the 1900s. As a, as a way to stay fit in the fall and winter, right? So it was roadies、yep. going like, I need to do something. Let's let's race, but it's really freaking cold. So we'll make it really hard, and we'll jump off our bikes, and we'll run over things to keep our feet from freezing. Like that, like, like this. This is sort of the genesis、yeah. of this event. And now, I mean, it started with training rides where、yeah. they simply get off the bike and run for a little way to heat their feet yes. up. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> that was the idea. So it was just training rides at first. When it's when <laughs> it's eighty seven degrees, you're not in risk of frostbite. You're in risk of heat stroke. So this、yeah. this bleeding of cross into the summer is a. I think it's not healthy. I mean, you see people who are just melting out there because it's just it's made to be so intense, and it's also、mm-hmm. been kind of disruptive to our mountain bike season here, which is、mm-hmm. you know it, it's just sort of thrown everything into a sunder. Now now I look at our local PA cross. We have two series here that go on sort of simultaneously, and it's a bit more reasonable. Has races extending into December, which is great because December helps you be fit when you're going into nationals and worlds, which are well into winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even then, I, I keep thinking. So, if someone starts racing Labor Day weekend and chases the series calendar to the end, you stand to be pretty cooked by February. Yeah, you stand to be. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no way. So you know, there's no way. yeah, there's no way. I mean, I've been looking at it, and I love cross. And you know, some years I do it more seriously than others. And in fact, I'll be blazing around our our our, which is starting earlier than ever too. Our Thursday night cross series is starting tonight,、uh, and it is now 95 degrees as we speak, and hopefully it'll cool down a little by then. But I'm com- increasingly conflicted about how much I want cross to occupy my cycling life because at this point it could usurp. One day a week and every weekend until Christmas, I,、mm-hmm. easily. Yeah.、Um, so I, I've been thinking and considering because there's also all these now fun gravel events and fondos that are popping up through the same time of year. So I think for me personally, I'm going to. I'm thinking I'm going to do Jeremiah Bishop's fondo in、uh, Harrison, Virginia, and that's at the end of this month. And Keystone Gravel,、mm-hmm. which is a sort of fun grindoro event that happens this month. Then I'll go into Unpaved and Iron Cross in October, and then I'll do Cyclocross the way Cyclocross originated, and I'll use the events that are left to stay fit in November and December. What do you think? That sounds do you, great. Do you, do you do much、like、cyclocross? I mean, do you, do you guys run into this? It's just people are cross crazy here, and it seems to be just 
I don't know. This it's just it's taking on a life of its own in some ways. You know, I know that for here it's still crosses coming. I'm pretty sure. I don't think <laughs> we've had our first race yet. Um, you know, but I mean, a measure of my thinking about cyclocross is the fact that I haven't looked at the calendar yet. Right. Fair. Uh, you have not been gluing you know, your tubulars since July. You're late. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm right on time. You know, if there's one rule that the UCI could pass that I'd actually be okay with is a rule against racing cyclocross in a short sleeve skin suit. <laughs> if you if you did that. You know, and just no, 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 no. We or or we can't hold a cyclocross race if the temperature at six a.m. is any higher than sixty-five degrees. Right. Something to to reorder this because the beauty of cyclocross is when you know you've got to have a down jacket on to stay out there and watch, and right. people are jumping up and down on the course not because they're excited, <laughs> well maybe because they're excited, but because their feet are flipping cold. Yeah, you know. When, when you're ducking inside a tent to grab a hot chocolate and get back out on the course so you can watch, those are the times. Now, here in California, cyclocross in nasty weather is almost a physical impossibility. Right. There was one year in Southern California where it rained through the entirety of the race, and I was riding through six and eight inch puddles i must have been there because i did really well one year in la and nobody knew what to do because it was raining <laughs> yeah <laughs> could have been yeah so i i'm with you i and also you know i just think about how many people are bent on trying to go to worlds or do well at nationals mm -hmm. and you know there's i mean there's masters worlds as well as you know the elites oh, yeah. and you know, starting your race season six months before your big peak event and cyclocross, you know, you can you can ride your way into shape in road races. You can hide in the pack yep. and just hide out through the early season and wait for your time of the year. That is not possible in cyclocross. Oh, no, no. If you're out there, I compare it to skate skiing where you know, with, with traditional diagonal Nordic skiing, you can kind of just walk around on your skis and it's okay. To simply move on skate skis, you're just about at threshold. Right. Yeah. And it's the same way with cyclocross. If you're going to do cyclocross, you're at threshold as a bare minimum. Yeah, yeah. And it, So it yeah. doesn't make sense to me. No, I, yeah. I totally, I totally agree. And it, I mean, we'll just see how it shakes out, right? I mean, I, I have a feeling that, um, that the community generally polices these things, you know, like if people stop coming and if the, if attendance drops off, then it'll reconfigure. I mean, that's just the only way I can figure that yeah. that'll probably shake out. Sure. It'll be interesting to watch. I, I mean, it, it's definitely been a little bit more declined uh, recently, I would say, just, you know, how things ebb and flow, I think, just because people have sort of migrated a little bit to gravel and et cetera and so on. But it's just interesting to see how these things evolve because it's just... It, it feels a little unsustainable at the level that it's at. Mm. Yeah. I, will say I, I haven't made any hard decisions about what I'm doing this year, but I was thinking about trying to do a few more cross races this fall. I, I've been missing it, and it seems like I might have a little more liberty on my weekends coming up. The funny thing is, I just think about when I was in New England, and you know, I just mentioned the Killington st stage race earlier. There was traditionally 
either that was the end of our season or there was like one more crit the following season. And then that was it for the road season. And when was that? Fini. Labor Day weekend, okay. you know, maybe one more crit the following weekend and then done. And you'd get the rest of September off. Yep. Yeah. And my my first I want to say my first season of cyclocross, the first race didn't happen until the third weekend of October. That, and by the time I moved away yes. from New England, it was the first weekend of October. So the idea of doing cross in September in the 1990s, that still wasn't even a thing. So I just I don't understand why people are jumping the gun to this degree. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot. I think, yeah, I, I mean, it's just it's all of it. Cross Vegas had a little bit to do with it. You know, they, it, that, that became a <laughs> yeah. bigger thing, I think, than anybody ever thought it was going to. And people are chasing points and starting positions. So, yeah. We'll, oh, yeah. yeah we'll Call see. ups. Oh, um, my gosh. It's, it's a big deal. You know, if you start 90 people back, it's a, it, it makes a difference. <laughs> Well, it also helps if you show up, you know, 90 places back thinking, I am just here for the beer hand-ups. Yeah, yeah. Cause... And in my case, I'm I'm there for whatever they're handing up. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly, bacon, bacon. Yep. Twizzlers. Uh, you know, you got a hand up, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, cross is here. What do you have? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last weekend... I went and did this ride uh, in the Sierra foothills with a couple of friends and a couple of acquaintances and a whole bunch of heroes. There's this group of guys, mostly in Northern California, who call themselves the dinosaurs for the obvious reason that they are old, at least for the average cyclist. These were the guys who were the hot legs back in the 1970s and 80s. I don't mean just like, you know, the fast guy in your group ride. You know, unofficial president of this group is George Mount, the first American to do anything in cycling at the Olympics by finishing sixth at the Olympic road race in the 1976 Games. The group also counts other Olympians like Rory O'Reilly and Leonard Harvey Nitz. There aren't too many guys in this group who didn't earn a Stars and Stripes jersey either on the road or the track at some point. For me, it's like hanging around with royalty. And the only reason I get invited is because they like my riding. Hmm. I seriously do not have the bona fides to be a member, but they know I'm prone to using a verb about these guys from time to time, this <laughs> being one of those examples. So a funny thing happened on the ride. It's a, that's kind of the classic setup for every story, right? Yeah. A funny thing happened on the ride. And then you walked into a bar <laughs> and there was no... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that came later. Yeah. <laughs> After too many stops to regroup and following a split at some point because not everyone want, wanted to do this one climb, I found myself in a group of six or seven. I'm nearly out of water. I'm out of food. There are eight miles to go. It's hotter than the gates of hell. I'd felt good the whole day, but we really hadn't been going hard. Mm-hmm. I went to the front just to get us home before I desiccated. The funny thing is... I had fantastic legs. After gradually ramping up the speed, I took this long pull at 30 miles an hour. Hmm. I swear to God, there must have been a tailwind, though I didn't feel anything. I I was even looking around like, where, where are the bushes blowing? After pulling off, no one pulls through. I slow to 27. There's still nobody pulling through. I take the front spot again and kept rolling. Hmm. Celine, I can't tell you how 
how stark the contrast this is to most of the rest of my season this year. I mean, I did whole grasshoppers where I couldn't generate more than about 100 or 150 watts. On top of that, this was the seventh consecutive day of riding I had. I should at least have been tired. It got me to thinking about all the things that I've done right this summer and all the things I could have been doing even better all season. And so what my head did was it went to periodization, thinking about periodized training plans mm -hmm. and how when my training was more structured, good days and bad days didn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. I saw them coming. Mm -hmm. I was planning for them, or at least they didn't surprise me as much. I could, I had some sort of way to process what was going on with my body. My question to you is this, is there an argument to be made for periodization even when you don't have racing goals? Um, yes and no. I, I think it's, I, I mean, the, the big answer is yes. That, that if, if you want consistent results, periodization is, it, it delivers them. That's, that's why people train in that manner. Now, there's, as you know, there's ups and downs to that. You can burn out on structure. You can burn out on periodization. You, sometimes you just you just want to ride yeah. and ride however you want to and go hard when you feel good and don't when you don't. And there's good arguments to be made for that as well. I, I It's interesting you say that because I've been less structured this year myself. And what you're describing is one of the things I don't like about it is that I my how what kind of day i'm going to have is less predictable and that and that mm -hmm. is the result of not having as much structured periodization where you you know you build up you build up you build up you rest you build you build you rest you you know it, it's all it's all very predictable and you know or you should know pretty much when you're going to be tired and when you're going to be peaking and all that stuff and that's great but when you're a little more haphazard guess what all that is more haphazard and you just have to live with it. Yeah. You just have to. And some days you're going to be like, like you experienced, like, I'm bionic. This is amazing. And some days you're going to feel like your legs have lead in them. And it's just, it's a little more hit or miss. But that's, yeah. but there, there's balances to be had with that because it's a little bit of a sacrifice to follow a, a plan and to follow it well. To be, you know, when everybody's doing something fun and whatever, you're like, well, that's not on my plan, so I'm not going to do that fun thing. And it's totally worth it when you have goals. I, I have no regrets, you know, for, for being rigid and following a plan like that when I when I have something that I've got my eye on that I want to accomplish because it it, it accomplishes it. But when there's not... I have a harder time with it because I life is short and I don't want to miss all these fun rides because my legs need to be fresh for what? Do you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't it doesn't make as much sense. So I think yeah. that uh, I think it really depends on what how important your good days, bad days and the predictability of those are to you as to how important it is to be more period is you know follow periodization in your in your general riding or your general training and that's you know i think that i think in a big picture periodization is always a good idea like you should spend some time strength training you should spend some time you know building your endurance and not going quite as hard all the time and i think i think that that's just good advice in general to maintain a base level of fitness and strength 
On top of that, mm -hmm. how much you add structure really depends on your goals and your maybe your personality even. You know, where you are in your cycling yeah. career, where you are, you know, what what you're looking to do. If you're hot, coming in hot to a to a you want to win your your crit series, or your cyclocross series, you've got this a dirty Kanza or a big thing, by all means, get some structure, periodize, you'll, you'll be happy. It'll you you'll see results. But if you're just like, oh, I'm going to do these things and maybe I'll have a good day and maybe I won't and it's not as important to you, then, mm, you know. Even then, though, honestly, Patrick, I still, and maybe it's just my personality, I try to have a goal for almost every ride. It just helps me. Even if that goal is to keep it totally chill and take three pictures along the way. But I try to, like, do mm -hmm. something that gives me just imposes a little bit of structure so I don't fry, you know, so I don't like put myself in a hole or just don't flatline because I don't, I, I don't like that either. I like to, I like to feel, I like that lively feeling that you get when you are doing some intensity and some rest and you know, that's just, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's, you know, I wouldn't be asking this question were it not for the fact that, so I was on a ride where, being able to kick ass was wildly inappropriate and I wasn't out there to do it. And the only reason I went hard was it's like, oh, we've been out for three hours on a 40 mile ride. <laughs> it's like, let, let's just, let's, let's, let's just get home a little now. bit. Let's Can go. we just go home? You know, there, there are beers waiting for yeah. us. Let's just get back to the train station where we all met. And, you know, so using, using some waters there, not really appropriate, you, you know, just trying to do the group a favor at that point. But, you know, feeling that power in my legs and then contrasting that with what happened a few weeks back when I went and did the two day grasshopper up in Mendocino mm -hmm. and I had negative wattage. I, I couldn't get out of my own way. And I was so almost despondent over my inability to, right. to pedal. And that, you know, having those two extremes so far outside of just the, oh, I'm going for a bike ride, you know, oh, I went hard a little bit, I went easy a little bit. I being locked into such extremes is not really to my liking, I'm finding. But, but, but did you look at what you did leading up to both of these instances? Like what, what your life looked like before that grasshopper instance and what your life looked like before this ride? I, I haven't looked at it too closely. I looked at it some and I can't make heads or tails of really why. The, the, the good legs now makes a little bit more sense. The bad legs just a few weeks ago, I don't I can't figure that out. Well, what's, what's interesting, it. and I think that a lot of people who are not professionals don't don't give enough respect to their life stress and what life does to you. It, yeah. you know, people people who have full-time jobs and families and all sorts of obligations and are still trying to accomplish goals on the bike are much more likely to have this kind of stuff and to have bad days and and all of that than people who you know make a living doing this because it's just mm -hmm. you you can't discount how I mean, they've done studies that are fascinating where they, they give people mental tests, right? And they drain them mentally and then they send them out to do some Wingate or some power test. And of course, they, they perform markedly worse after they're mentally fatigued. 
It's just th- mm. that's just common sense. But but I feel like a lot of uh, working working riders and working recreational competitive people don't give that enough credit that that your job and everything that takes stuff out of you you know even if you're just sitting all day and maybe especially if you're sitting all day it can all just be stress is stress is stress and and exercise makes your body less are more stress resilient but it still counts and it still uh it, it still takes something out of the bank and you need to, to <laughs> fill that bank and fill that well. And that's part of what periodization helps you do is stay a little more on top of that. But you can't periodize your life. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So, nope. yeah. And, and it's important to respect that. I think it's important to respect that it, you you have a life yeah. and this is a thing that you're doing on the side. And, and sometimes that life is, is, is going to affect your performance on that thing that you're doing on the side. And sometimes you're going to feel good when you really shouldn't. You know, and there's no rhyme or reason for that either. Yeah, but just I appreciate the good days and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, live and learn, you know. <laughs> I, I've been doing this how long? 30 years? Yeah, I know, but it and... changes, right? We are not test tubes people. It's amazing. It, it's 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 kind of like nutritionists, like I was saying before. Like we have we we and I'm guilty of it. We use this car analogy as though we're machines. You put this fuel in it, and you do this, and you do that, and you're going to just go. And people do not work that way. Your emotions, your moods, oh gosh, the, yeah. the phases of the moon. Who knows? It all it <laughs> all affects performance. Are we are we wouldn't have races? Everybody would know who's going to win. Yeah. Right? Everybody would know because the numbers really would be just point. this. Yeah. Well, this person ate 80 grams of carbs and trained blah, 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 and they're going to it. But mm, don't work that way. That's what makes yeah. it exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, terrific point. <laughs> wow. Okay. Right. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah. I don't well, think I helped, get on but it, maybe picks. enlightened. <laughs> no, no, you did. You did. Uh I, Do you want to I'm train more? Is that, is that what you were thinking? That you should be training more? Like training more diligently? Training more structuredly? I, just, yeah, more structure to better understand when I'm likely to have something approaching legs. Gotcha. You know, I, I want to I, I know when I'm going to be empty so that I can try to accommodate that in some way. And I would like to have some idea when my legs will at least be, you know, average to good. I'm not asking for a lot here, but those were two such extremes. And I'd pay money to have been able to swap them (laughs) because I wouldn't have been fifth from last (laughs) at at the grasshopper. Well, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I've, I can't ever recall an event where I got there and was more empty. So... Yeah, and you don't yeah. know. You could have been uh, fighting something off. You don't even know. Do you know what I mean? Like that it's it's honestly don't. you don't even know what your your immune system seriously could have been working on something else. It, it just you never know. But anyway, yeah. that's why we yeah. that's why we ride the rides. And was <laughs> and try yes. to avoid days like that. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Well let's get on to the paceline picks. Cool. What do you got? I have one uh, that I actually thought I would never be uh, recommending because it's not usually my jam. Uh, I generally prefer 
And speaking of test tubes and all this stuff, I, you know, hydration, nutrition, especially for those long things we've talked about, that is a is a life journey for me. Like how you fuel yourself when you're doing 200 miles, or you're going to be out there for eight hours, or you know, even even five to six on a pretty hard day. You know, it's nutrition and hydration is everything. Yeah, you know, once you once you're all trained mm-hmm. up, like how you keep yourself topped off is everything, and it's been. It's been such a hit or miss thing, and I've had things go catastrophically wrong and have things go pretty well. And I've kind of settled, as you have, on lighter drinks, you know, in my bottles and food in my pockets. And, I, and I've, I've, I've kept pretty faithful to that. So I was skeptical when this new product crossed my desk called Beta Fuel, and it's from uh-huh. Science and Sport. And it's got okay. 320 calories and 80 Count them 80 grams of carbs per bottle. Whoa. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think that's as heavy as anything I've ever tried, honestly. That's dense. Yeah. I mean, I, I've yeah. tried Infinite of, you know, Hammer is big and that, like the Perpetuum days and all of that. I was always a little <laughs> yeah. hit or miss with that stuff. Like sometimes I could get away with it, but if it was hot, forget it. Like it just, my gut would just not mm-hmm. accept it. Uh, but, you know, I was always really envious of people who could use those products because it seems so simple. Like you have you can fuel yourself with a bottle that what, what could be better. Right. So it, so this product beta mm-hmm. fuel from Science and Sports promised me that because they have configured it to be iso an isotonic solution, which is surprising. So it's, it's supposed to leave your gut quickly. It, I know you're not a maltodextrin person, but it uses maltodextrin and fructose in a combination that is supposed to, you know, use all your gut transporters. So the carbs leave your gut quickly. It doesn't pull water into your system to dilute it. All that stuff that can happen when you put a heavy solution in your gut. Uh, okay. I, I tried it again skeptically, and I am I have become a believer. I used it at the stage race in Kansas. I keep saying Kansas because I keep thinking Dirty Kansas. I used it out in Rebecca's private Idaho. I used it okay. at D2R2. I, it, it's, um, it's surprisingly light tasting for such a, such a heavy solution. It's got a little bit of that mouthfeel of maltodextrin, which I don't love, but I chase it with mm-hmm. a, a plain bottle of water, and I, it, it it keeps an amazing level of energy. I was really impressed by how even the energy was that I was getting from this thing. I still ate a little bit on top of it, but I really got away with eating much less and still staying hydrated, which is... But you were still chasing with water. I was definitely chasing with water. I was definitely chasing with water. Okay. Uh, one bottle of the... Uh, what I had was one bottle of the SIS and one bottle of water on my on my bike and pretty much going through those in an hour and a half ish. So I was trying to like have, it depends on the temperature, but I was trying to you know use the beta fuel and they only recommend it for events over two and a half hours. I mean, this is definitely just a fueling kind of fueling hydration kind of product, but hmm. it, okay. I was, you know, I was convinced, you know, they, they, I, I don't give a whole lot of, you know, team sky uses it and all that. And I don't, I don't put a whole lot of weight onto when people say, well, this is our tour riders. We all know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, I, I, I'm, I'm sold on it. And it, and it was, it's, it's, I'm happy to have found it because it's, it's the kind of thing that when you are out there for so many hours, it becomes very, very difficult to chew and eat. Very difficult to chew and yep. eat. And so to have this, yep. to be able to fall back on for uh, fuel, was 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 pretty magical and to not because i am susceptible to gut rot 
with this kind of stuff too and to not feel any of that I can't choke anything down queasiness and and to have this actually as something when I can't chew another bite was ah, I'm sold yeah you can check it out at scienceandsport.com you can put the link on the on the site but I I would uh I would definitely tell people who are doing very very long things that you know this could go in the race bag hmm all right okay so my pick is a little different sort of product. I know that fall has begun to settle in for some folks, but for here, uh, for us here on the West Coast and <laughs> friends like you uh, <laughs> on the East Coast, it is still very much summer. Yes. <laughs> Hell, some of the hottest days I've experienced in the last year have come in the last two weeks. Same here. My pick for this week is a zipperless jersey from Champion System. Was that the one they had in the um, tour? Who was wearing that in the Tour de France? How right. was so that? So they do the clothing for the UAE Emirates team. Okay. Dan Martin yeah, yeah, yeah. wore this jersey on yep. a stage win. Yep. Yeah. And... You know, it took some uh, some time to kind of convince them that this was something that could work for them, and they came to be believers. The new Elite jersey uses Champion's Agile fabric, which is kind of an open weave, uh, very breathable, good four-way stretch. It always cracks me up when I see someone wearing an aero jersey, but have it unzipped to their navel, navel, and it's catching wind like a flipping sail. Yeah, yeah. It's like With a no zero, it stays aero all the time. And because the jersey is so minimal, it breathes well enough that you stay cool. This is a decidedly race-cut jersey. It comes in sm- uh, sizes extra small to extra large and goes for 98 bucks. But... I really like so this So you didn't thing. find it's, yourself wanting to unzip it all? Nope. Really? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I And it's got grippers to kind of keep it in place. The Because I'm wearing the small, it's a little, the pockets are a little on the low capacity side, mm-hmm. but they did reinforce uh, the stitching right at the top, so it's not going to tear through. It's... It's a super, super well done Mm. jersey. I think they could probably work on the patterning in the shoulders just a little bit more. The fabric would bunch up just a little bit when I was in the Mm -hmm. drops. On the the hoods, it was fine. But, I mean, this this is a concept to me whose time has come. I... If I can get away with not unzipping a jersey so that I, I maintain that aerodynamic profile, I will. A couple of years ago, I spent some time in the specialized wind tunnel going through different bikes and different kits and whatnot. And the lesson I learned is that with an aero kit and an aero helmet, you can save almost as much as you can with an aero frame with aero yeah. wheels. No, it's big. It's, it's, it's very, very big for sure. Yeah, so I I don't run right around with jerseys unzipped and flapping in the breeze. I simply I don't do it. I kind of like it though. I, I feel like a superhero. <laughs> well, <laughs> Celine, there is the fact that you are seventy five percent superhero as it is. I, you know, I've got the it's got the hair. Everything's just flying. Like I, it's so hard. I, but I've been hundred percent. It's not aerodynamic. You're right, and and I'm wasting watts every which way but Sunday. But it's I'm intrigued. I was in. But you have watch to spare. Let's be honest. I was intrigued by that by that product, but I kept thinking it would bug me. I don't know that I would want to. I'm intrigued by it though. I'm I'm super interested that you're you're bringing this up because I looked at that and I was like I don't know, but 
Well, maybe they need to do a sleeveless version for you. Ooh, that would be exciting. But <laughs> little little lower collar on it. Uh, they say this is a low collar, but it's still it's you know it's a reasonable collar. It's not as low as like some of the Rafa ones. But you ones. didn't feel like it was choking uh, you, or it was not annoying. No, yeah. no. Uh, I you know I'd like this in like four different colors, man. Wow. Okay, I'm. I'm <laughs> yeah. The one thing I'll say. Go oh, ahead. Well, I, a I always ask this, and I I forgive you if you don't know. Do they have a women's cut? I believe they do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to check that out. I should double check that, but I believe they do. Um, uh, the, the other thing I'll say though, is because the weave is so open, it's comparable to what you see in a lot of side panels in jerseys Uh or occasionally in the back of a Jersey. I would not recommend this for mountain biking. If you're going to wear a hydration pack, if you're, if you're running bottles, Okay, I think this material would suffer under a hydration pack. I think it would wear oh, out. Oh, okay. Quickly. Is it? Um, can you see your heart rate monitor through it? Is it one of those where you're going to be looking at somebody and counting their chest hairs, or is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At yeah, least the version I have. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe in different colors it does a little bit better, but I I have contemplated wearing a uh, a base yeah, layer. Yeah, because yeah, some really of those thin, some but, of those thins yeah. are just like wow, that's very thin. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Cool. I have to check it out. I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah. So I guess that's a wrap for this episode of the Pace Line. What are you up to this weekend? I'm up to a whole lot of nothing this weekend, uh, which is good. We need a whole lot of nothing. Just, you know, it, it it was such a nightmare coming back from Idaho. All the, there was thunderstorms in Chicago on Monday. And, you know, Chicago is one of those places that when it shuts down, every, the whole country shuts down. So yeah, uh, we didn't get home all said and done, landed in Philly at two in the morning and didn't get home <gasps> until, yeah, until 4 a.m., which... It was uh, that was not fun. That was not fun. So I'm happy to have a Sylvan fully unpacked. <laughs> so this weekend <laughs> I'm going to fully unpack, do some laundry, you know, just catch up because we start rolling yeah. right into uh, you know some big fun gravel weekends coming up. So just want to recharge and get the household looking like normal again. You? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, if everything comes together as planned, I'll be doing some lift-served mountain biking in Lake Tahoe. Get out of here. Is that something that you do? Yeehaw. Often? Hmm? Are you a lift guy? Are you like a full-face uh, padded up? Not very guy? often, yeah. but when the opportunity presents itself, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, I just, I can't get out of my own way at 8,000 feet. Mm. So, uh, you know, let me take a lift up there. <laughs> wow, that'd be yeah. fun. And it gives you more chances to, to descend, right? That's where the fun is. So is it um, on the yeah. flume trail and that kind of stuff? Or is it on a bike, like a bike park? I don't, I've only ever raced out there mm-hmm. around the lake. We might do the flume trail once, but it'll probably be mostly North Star is my gotcha. guess. You know, I'm not really running the show. <laughs> cool. Sounds fun. Should be great. Yeah. So, hey, before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about the craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for the bike set. This week's guest is frame builder Eric Noren of Peacock Groove. Even among frame builders, he's a one-of-a-kind dude. And this interview is arguably one of the most honest and raw I've ever done. Finally, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.